Bango chair? Put it in reverse, chair! Episode 60, First Tee Jitters Podcast. William and Tyler are here. Uh, Brady's getting ready to move all over the country, so he's not here today. Um, First Tee Jitters Podcast brought to you by Four Craft Cocktails. They're ready to drink transfusion in a can. It's perfect for when you're playing 18 holes with the boys, stopping for drinks at the turn or just to enjoy on a hot summer day. The Four Craft Cocktails Transfusion is made with premium vodka, lime, and grape to create the perfect golf cocktail. No more plastic cups, no more waiting on the beverage cart to mix up a drink. The Four Craft Cocktails Transfusion comes pre-mixed in a can, making it easy to enjoy on the course and off. Check out their website at fourcraftcocktails.com and look for Four Craft Cocktails on Instagram, F-O-R-E-4 Craft Cocktails. Please drink responsibly. They also have another flavor. Um, I don't know if it's been made yet, but it's, uh, they have announced their, the ranch water, uh, I was about tequila. To yeah, it looks delicious. The big ranch water fan. I've never had it. Uh, team USA might've had some ranch waters and some transfusions on Sunday. A uh, few of them might've had a lot because they absolutely dominated the Ryder cup. Um, they were the best team on paper. A lot of questions going into it. We talked about a lot of it last week before it started but it was a uh, – they completely demolished Europe. They, uh, they're calling it the, the slaughter by the water. I think I heard it called the, the whipping at whistling. I don't know what they're going to call it, but uh, it was a butt whooping. I like I, the slaughter by the water thing. I like it too, but I think, I think uh, the foreplay people came up with that. Well, yeah, yeah, I was about to say the same thing. They won. They won nineteen to nine. First, first time since the European Union, the entire continent of Europe has joined. It used to be just the United States versus uh, the UK. Now it's the whole European Union. But first time since it's been Europe that anybody has scored more than eighteen and a half points. Um, it was eleven to five going into the last day. U.S. won. They won seven and tied two singles matches the last day to get to 19 points. It was extremely impressive from beginning to end. There was the afternoon session on day two. I think they tied two to two. Other than that, U.S. won every single session, including the singles, and it was quite impressive. Yeah, just played lights out. Um, I was thoroughly impressed, but – like I was saying uh, last week, I think they just need to kind of have some fresh faces here and there just to kind of keep the energy high. And I think they got them. They had, what did we say last week, six rookies, three three other people making their second appearance. A lot of the rookies weren't – they were Ryder Cup rookies, but they were uh, pretty seasoned players on the PGA Tour. The only real rookie rookie in the sense of the word was Scotty Scheffler, I guess, um, who played really well. 
I don't remember all the people we talked about last week that we thought were going to play well or that we expected to play well, but everybody did. So all of us were right. They first day uh, in the morning. They, so they do, I get, I get all the things screwed up. They do foursomes in the morning and four ball in the afternoon. Foursomes being they basically alternate shot four ball being they all play their own ball and the, the best score wins. All all match play, which is a lot of fun to watch. Um, U.S. won the morning session on the first day, three to one. They won the afternoon session, three to one. They won the morning session on day two, three to one. Tied two to two in the afternoon. It was uh, from the very beginning, they came out and dominated. And the pairings that they put together, I don't know that anybody would have picked anybody different, but they were pretty perfect, all of them. Tyler yeah, did. That, um, Tyler, I know. I don't remember who uh, who you said last week you were expecting to be MVP of it or or whatever. But what uh what impressed you the most out of all of it? The answer to that question. Well, the first part was that I picked Xander. I think William and I both did. Uh, what impressed me the most? Maybe I think the thing that shocked me the most, I don't know if it was impressive, was just how it seemed like DeChambeau was able to be a team player. Not that I really didn't expect him to be a team player, but you could just see where that could have gone either way. And it, you know, seemed like he just kind of low-key did his part. And I've always been a DeChambeau fan, but I definitely get – he's just kind of awkward when he talks. And I, I definitely get where people could dislike him. I'm not the one, I'm not the person that has ever disliked him, but I see it. So I think all. he is, uh, has a bad habit of sticking his foot in his mouth a lot of times. I did sort of notice watching the Ryder Cup that he is more likable when he's not wearing a dumb hat. I think if he would just wear a regular hat, more people would like him. Yeah. And I think he did a lot this week to kind of get back in the good graces of a lot of people. He was kind of – he was all in with the Ryder Cup, and you could tell, and he played well too, so that helped. And it seems like him and and Brooks kissed and made up too. Whether – I don't know how much that was just for show, but they they actually seemed like they – sort of talked to each other and, and decided that they were going to stop acting like shit bags and finally get along, I think, which was kind of I nice think, to see. I mean, I thought some of it was that. That was my suspicion the whole time. But the more I think about it, I don't think it was as much that as it was just like initial impressions, like especially from Brooks's side where he was just like, man, this guy's a toad and kind of wrote him off. I've been there – I'm guilty of doing that with people too. And then I think both of them kind of were in proximity working together and they were like, Oh, you're not so bad. So we'll kind of let this wash away. But um, yeah, man, that stuff's great. And I think, I think winning solves a lot of problems too. Winning solves problems. And I think that, I mean, 
call me crazy, but I think the 2021 Ryder Cup was like the 2020 Kobe Bryant incident, except the opposite. Like when Kobe died, it seemed like the world, or I guess it started first when whatever embassy in Iraq got bombed. And then Kobe died and it seemed like 2020 went to shit. I think this is where things start to turn around. The 2021 Ryder Cup is the catalyst. I hope you're right. William, who or uh, or what impressed you the most? I know what your answer is going to be, but just go ahead and get it out of your system I mean, right it's, now. It's got to be Dustin Johnson, man. Just 5-0, and just relentless. He was unstoppable, which I didn't think was going to be the case because he hasn't played that great of golf. Oldest, oldest player on the team. He was, what, like 37? So he was yeah. the oldest player by a few years, I think, and was – far and away the most dominant player there none of his matches were ever really in question and well, he I mean, did i mean that just proves how good he is like i mean he's just a stud i mean he's he's got every every aspect of the game down and, and i'm not, he can be I, a little questionable but sometimes but yeah i'm not trying to take anything away from him but was any of that um Yes, I know he played well, but was any of it the fact that whoever he was playing against played poorly? Um, I don't know. You still got to – I mean, to go 5-0, and oh, uh, somebody probably yeah, not, plays like poorly said, there at I'm some not, point, but I'm not there's a little bit of luck to it. From him. He's only the fifth person ever to go 5-0 and oh in the Ryder Cup. So yeah. there is a little bit of luck with other other people not playing great, but I mean, he he – Beat Paul Casey in the singles matches. I think he won by one. Um, so it's not like he just completely blew him out of the water, but it, it, I don't think it was ever close. Yeah. And he did also – he played with Kyle Morikawa three times, I think. Um, well, that's what I was about to say. That's like a perfect matchup just for how well DJ drives the ball and how good of an iron player Morikawa is, you know, whatever format they were playing. like. They're just a, you know, they're, they're, I feel like they just kind of were feeding off each other the whole, whole weekend. That's the kind of teammate you need. And Steve Stricker sort of pretty much set him up for success. He paired people with exactly who they needed to be paired with. And it worked out just about every single time. Uh, Xander Shoffley and Patrick Cantlay were paired together. They, I don't, they won the first, the first day in the morning. Colin Morcow and DJ won. Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth, who did not play very well the first day, um, ended up being fine. They they won a lot of matches, too, throughout the week. And then Brooks and Daniel Berger, who went to Florida State together. And then that left Harris English, Tony Finau, Bryson, and Scotty Scheffler out for the morning session the first day. And then they were all paired together in the afternoon. Both of those pairings won in the afternoon. Scotty Scheffler played really well for somebody playing in his first Ryder Cup and for somebody who's so young. He came out on Sunday and birdied five of the first six holes, I think, and put it to John Rahm, who's the number one player in the world. So that kind of set the tone for everybody Sunday and kind of was the the nail in the coffin for the European team. It was The best meme about that was David versus Goliath because he – he smoked them. It wasn't. It wasn't even fun, really. Did you? Uh, 
Did you see Rory's interview after he was done playing on Sunday? Yeah. Got a little bit emotional. I'd say he was very emotional. Oh, it kind of shows you what the Ryder Cup means. That, well, it's always meant that to European players, and that was the big knock on the American team was it doesn't mean as much to them. But I think it did this year. And I know winning kind of hides some other stuff. I did hear somebody saying that they don't know if the, the American team would have kind of acted the same way that the European team did had they lost. The European team still was – very together and joking with each other and stuff in their press conference, even after they lost. And I don't know that the American team would have been like that, but they did seem a lot more cohesive than they have in the past. Well, that's because we're Americans and that's how we are. Kudos to them practicing the way they did, but we're not going to apologize for being Americans. Well, like they've had the same Ryder cup team for the past 15 years for the best part. Yeah, they've had Sergio. The past, they've the had Lee the Westwood. They, Ian Poulter, Sergio Westwood. Paul Casey. Paul Casey. Rory. I mean, Rom was, was a rookie the last Ryder Cup, but he, you know, they he won. He was, I think the only two players that really weren't part of that team were uh, Weisberger and uh, Fitzpatrick and Hovland, but the rest of them are kind of mainstays. Which will probably change. Uh, well, Victor two years from now. will be a mainstay. Oh, yeah. he's going to be mainstay forever. I mean, and I, he's I a think stud. probably Hovland and Fitzpatrick and Tyrrell Hatton, Tommy Fleetwood will probably be on, and John Rahm, obviously, but Sergio, Ian Poulter, Lee Westwood, very possible Ooh. that this was their last Ryder Cup. Yeah. Um, Paul Casey's probably got a few more. Shane Paul Lowry. Casey's 44. Maybe. I mean, oh, I didn't realize he was that old. No, he's old, man. Um, Shane Lowry's going to be there for a while. He was a Ryder Cup rookie. Yep. Uh, but, but you, yeah, I think that it's kind of the Ian Poulter's, Sergio's, you know, all those guys. They're, they're kind of at the tail end of their Ryder Cup careers. And they'll find people. Like, uh, I think Robert McIntyre from Scotland is, is going to be good. Um, you remember him trying to talk to us on the yep, putting green? Yeah, he did. He uh, he spoke to us at the Wyndham on the putting green. That is true. Um, so he'll be on there. Um, but well, this they were they were kind of transitioning out of one era of Ryder Cup players into another, and it was just kind of and they ran into an American buzzsaw, probably the best American team they've ever had. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that's accurate. I mean, yes, there were years that Tiger played on it, and yes. He was in Phil, but like, like this whole cast was like full of superstars. I'm not saying they're they're like Tiger and Phil's level, but I mean like, if Tiger and Phil are tens, the rest of those guys are eights and nines. Like it was. It but was think heavy. about this too. They had all those teams with Tiger and Phil on them, and never had this kind of success. And I heard I don't remember if yeah, it because was because there was too many eights and nines on this team. Tiger. And Phil didn't have eights and nines on their team. But even Tiger and Phil struggled themselves. And a lot of it – Right. I heard, but they were I, still the quality – high-quality player, yeah. I guess. And they – I don't remember if it was part of the broadcast or it was in a different podcast. But they were talking about Tiger and Phil and all these teams. And they were – Tiger and Phil, not any fault of their own, but were kind of like just black holes for everything. Everybody gravitated towards Tiger and Phil. And the other ten players on the team were just – the other guys and whether 
Right. It's not like they did anything on purpose, but people playing with Tiger, playing with Phil, feel a little more pressure than they normally would. People playing against them obviously are intimidated, but so are the people that are their teammates that don't want to hit a bad shot and have Tiger stare them down, even though they're on the same team. And I think that contributed to the lack of success that Tiger and Phil may have had in Ryder Cups. I think that's a hundred percent. And it's, I think you go back to like the same concept as like March Madness. Like everyone wants to beat Tiger and Phil and all these guys can beat them and you know they're not going to beat them you know five times out of ten but you know it just takes one day to be on your a game and to beat tiger woods and yeah that that was you know everyone's looking for that upset everyone wants to be that cinderella player and i think that also goes into play there with them and their Ryder cup records so the future of the Ryder cup is kind of sad in a little way but um it was on i was reading earlier that it was initially held on odd years september 11th caused it to go to 2002 and then they kept it even and now covid is going to move it back to odd years which means we have to wait this is the sad part we have to wait until 2023 now instead of 2022 i was actually really excited when i was watching it i was like oh man there's going to be another one of these next year so they can get back on track and then i found out that they're just keeping it going every two years. Yep. Uh, what's yep. the, uh, so does the president's cup every two years, but alternate or? I think it's alternate. Yeah. It's which yep. I guess it'll, so it'll alternate be even again. year. It'll go to even years now, I guess. Yeah. I guess. The president's cup will be in Charlotte, North Carolina next year at Quail Hollow. Okay. So that'll be the 2022, 2024 type thing. I got yeah. you. Um, I think the next one's in Italy. Next time it comes back here is um, Beth Page. And then it goes to Ireland. And then back here to Hazeltine, I think, is what I heard. No, they have not announced 2031, from my understanding. Double check. I think I I heard Hazeltine today, but I I could very well be making that up. I know Beth Page is the next one here. Yep. They have not announced it yet. I'll tell you what would be cool, though. That'll be the 40th anniversary of the Kiowa Ryder Cup. Uh, 2029 is Hazel team. So okay, so you're thinking the one after well, that they haven't announced yet, will you? Wait, they, 2020, so 2023 is, is Olympic Club and 2037 is Congressional. Oh, uh, so they would have to be. It would have to be in Europe in 2031 then. That's correct. Yeah. Has there ever? Go ahead. The 50th Ryder Cup will be in 2035, which makes me sick to my stomach to even think about. Has there ever? That that will be in Europe, the 50th. Has anyone ever hosted a Ryder Cup twice? I think Hazel T will be the first. I uh, thought Whistling Straits looked awesome on TV. And I, we talked about it last week when they were in the middle of their practice rounds. It sort of visually looks like Kiowa does on TV. Just it's not exactly like Kiowa. Kiowa is flat and right there on the ocean. And Whistling Straits is, has a little bit more hills and it's on a lake. But the way that the colors and the way that the course looks, 
been really, really cool looking and reminded me of the way Kiowa looked. Yeah, well, I mean, similar setup, similar, same course architect, Pete Dye, so a lot of comparisons there. Well, Lord willing, any of us make it to 2037. I say we plan on going to the Congressional to watch the Ryder Cup. I'm in. I think we should go right. next year to Quail Hollow to watch the President's Cup. Well, I mean, I can do that too. I think it's the greatest thing in golf. I, I know we talked about this in our group text message, and I, I have a big problem with recency bias, but I think the Ryder Cup is the greatest event in golf. I think it's, I think it's more fun to watch than any of the major tournaments. I wish it was four days instead of three. Did this weekend I mean, change anybody else's mind? Yeah, well, yes and no. I mean, like a, like the Masters is just easier to follow, A, because it's an individual thing, and then also because of the broadcast that the Masters provides. Aside from that, yes, the Ryder Cup is much more fun. I mean, like, you would never see anybody, and not that I'm a drinker, but you would never see anybody shotgun the beer on the first tee at the Masters. Like, Which was great. Yeah, I mean, that. like, I don't care what, the, you know, the uh, traditionalists say, especially since I'm a traditionalist, so that's coming from me, that I loved it. I thought it was just the best thing ever. Like, the emotions the, of it are just so much different than in any other golf tournament. Yeah, the, the environment, the, you know, the way they acted and the way they just, uh, it was, it was awesome. They showed a close-up camera of Tony Finau, and he he teed up his ball, and then he was trying to pump up the crowd or something, and the ball fell off, and they showed a close-up of him trying to put the ball back on, and you can see his hand shaking trying to re-tee his ball. Yeah, yeah that – and um, – shut up, I don't know. can't remember what I was going to say now. Well, I feel like the Ryder Cup is probably the easiest way to get someone into watching golf just because the experience itself is more of like a football game or, you know, college football game, college basketball game, or like an international soccer game even. It's just – it's a very lively, fun atmosphere. Emotions are at an all-time high. It's so much fun to watch. The uh, they had a live heart rate on some of the first tee shots. That they didn't do it for everybody, but they were doing it for some of them, and that was pretty cool to watch. And it kind of speaks to how athletic and fit these guys are that they basically maintain a heart rate of one twenty, one thirty for four hours playing golf. But they, I mean, Ian Poulter, I think when we were talking about it, they they showed his heart rate, and it was at about one ten, and then he finally stepped up to the tee and it jumped up to about 130 before he actually hit his drive on the, on the first hole. So that was fun to watch. I don't know. Uh, I mean, we have trouble or I have trouble. Somebody lets me play through and I got four people watching me tee off. I can't imagine what it's like when an entire country's counting on you to hit a good tee shot. I want to try it. I would definitely try it. Is Whistling Straits a public course? Yep. Yeah. I'm I'm good with not going personally, but I would love to. I think it looked fantastic. I mean, the uh, the coastal courses, man, they just don't do nothing for me. Wind just pisses me off more than anything. I think I just want to do it to see see how big of a difference it is because we like we don't have anywhere around here that's like that. 
William, you do. You're you're used to it. Well, yeah, I'm around it every day. So, I mean, that's why I want to go up there. I mean, the golf in Wisconsin is some of the best, if not the best. You know what? They, what makes they, Wisconsin and Minnesota and or like Oregon like why? Why did it? What makes golf any different there versus anywhere else in the country? And, and this is me being naive and not going to a lot of golf courses, but to me, everywhere I go, like golf courses are the same, not quality wise as far as how they're taken care of, but I don't know. I don't, maybe I just don't look in depth enough to understand kind of the differences. Tyler's combination of golf course architecture and how they maintain the grounds. It's yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Aside from the maintaining. It's it's also very seasonal. I mean, it's not like Florida where you go to every golf course and it's just generic as fuck. Um, There's just, there's a little more character to these golf courses and they're so seasonal that you can only play them certain times of the year, which which makes it a little more sought after location. Yeah. Maybe too, like, in some of those climates, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Oregon, the summers maybe are a little milder, so you don't have as hard of a time, you know, with like burn up grounds. Like we like in the middle of summer to play golf here is miserable. A, it's hot as you know what, but it's also like the grounds burn up. You don't have luscious crisp grass to hit out of. You know, you're hitting off dirt in some cases and yeah, I, that's all I was wondering. Is it like the is is Wisconsin considered? It's not like is it Midwest? Would you consider Wisconsin Midwest? Or is it a little a little too far north for Midwest. I'd, I'd I'd say it's still part of the Midwest, but it's you know it's on the cusp of not being Midwest. Yeah. Is there a different like grass that they use on courses there? Like I know a lot of the like West Coast courses and use have have poana greens or whatever and a lot of bermuda grass like in the southeast here along the coast but what is there a difference in the midwest um i think they just have an easier time growing certain types of grass throughout the golf course because i was looking at all the grass that's at whistling straight they have like three different types of grasses they use which goes back to tyler's comment just makes everything a little more plush that's why you know summer golf up in Wisconsin and Michigan is, you know, hard to beat. I just really, I like, I really like golf course architecture and looking at the different types of golf courses and different designs and why holes are designed a certain way. But I really like the look of the courses that have the wispy grass that you can see blowing in the wind and a lot of like rough looking waste areas and stuff like that. I think it just adds to the whole course. And I really, really like the way Whistling Straits looked. I mean, that whole town of uh, Kohler, I mean, they've got a bunch. It's one of the best golf resorts in the country. And you got Aaron Hills not far from there and also Sand Valley, which is another great golf resort all within the state of Wisconsin, which is pretty crazy for how cold it is and miserable it is in the winter. But Yeah, it's just it's – just bizarre to me that you know those are golf destinations doesn't mean that I don't like them or don't wouldn't be interested in them but it's just not what you would expect I guess got a uh, Aaron Hills on the 
golf simulator. Maybe I'll play that tomorrow. Let you know how it goes. But um, as far as Ryder Cup goes, uh, as well as the the watching experience that we really enjoyed the the meme experience that followed and during it was just I mean money. A lot of it, I'm sure, had to do with the celebrations afterward. Did you see the the shirts they were wearing? Yeah, I mean, it was just money, all of it. They had the stepbrother shirts with Bryson and Brooks. Uh, I'm, they're probably all on their second day of being hungover, I would imagine. William, you said it right before we got on here. DJ seemed to get pretty drunk pretty quick after he finished. I mean, I would too, but I remember after the Chelsea eight Ryder Cup like everyone was like there was that picture floating around with uh, Rory and Paulina and then there was a picture like Tiger and Paulina then there was be careful of that, that. There was, yeah women. there was about, there was about <laughs> I remember hearing a rumor that DJ Brooks like got into a physical altercation about how bad they both played at the after party in 2018. So I think the after party, I mean, it's cool that both teams go and like party together. Cause there's that video of, of Xander Shoffley and Rory dancing to house of pains, jump around yeah. and they play yeah. together yeah. that match. Well, so I mean, and those guys all know each other and they're all friends. So it is cool. Oh that yeah. They do that. No, it's, it's and, cool that they do that. That's like if that's like if we had if we had twenty four of our friends went on a golf trip and we played teams like that we'd all still drink together at nights. All but one. <laughs> uh, what did you think of their their press conference and their uh, celebration afterwards? I can speak to that. If you, go ahead, William, I'll speak afterwards. I feel like they probably should have moved Tony Fidel from behind Xander with that cigar. People don't know, uh, Tony Fidel is a, uh, he's a Mormon, so he's not, uh, he doesn't drink or, or smoke any substance, and he was just waving that cigar smoke away from his face the entire time, which I thought was pretty funny. He, he might have gone out and gotten some more McDonald's, another hefty McDonald's meal. Xander, uh, Xander had the, the cigar rolling, though, winking at people in the in the crowd. That was one of the well, memes, it, Tyler. And yeah, that was Dustin, jo- Dustin Johnson also, like, he was saying all that stuff, but someone, like, asked someone else another question, and it said something about him being undefeated, but, like, they just brought that up during the question, and DJ just, you can hear the background, said he said, I ain't scared. Just, like, the rolling commentary with him was just, on point and hysterical at, at one Stop point giving a shit. I think it was after that when they asked him um, if he could still keep up partying with the rest of them, even though he was older out, it, out party them. Yeah, it was, it was a little bit after that, but he said something and you could tell that he was drunk, which it, I can, hopefully nobody has a problem with. Cause I, I would have been too, but he, you could tell he was, uh, it sort of clicked in his head that he was sounding a little drunk when he was talking. So he just handed the mic over to somebody else. So he wouldn't have to talk anymore. They were, they were all laughing. I don't know if they were laughing at him or with him, but it was pretty funny. Thoughts, Tyler. 
Yeah, I that's I I went or I had to go to work the morning after, so I listened to the whole conference on the way up. And like it, it was funny, but I was also kind of mad at like the media because they asked the same stupid ass questions. Like it's like they asked Stricker like literally the same question in three different ways, like back to back to back, and he's finally like. Yep, yep, you know, this is what it is. It was just annoying. I don't uh, really like Steve Stricker, and I like his emotion. I don't think I saw an interview with him this week where he didn't cry at least a little bit. Yeah. I was getting ready to ask something. I forgot what it was. That's good. Somebody say something so I can figure out what I was going to ask. We were talking about interview questions. Oh, I kind of felt bad. I don't think Harris English spoke like the entire time. I'm sure he had a great time. But... Or Daniel Berger. Yeah, that's true. Dan- well, Daniel Daniel Berger was just kind of doing his own thing. He was in his own little world having a great time. But Harris English just, I guess he was kind of doing the same thing. He just kind of sits back and relaxes and doesn't. He's... Well, he knows. He knows as soon as they got done, he had to go back to Shawshank. So <laughs> he does look exactly like him. He uh, and he played well too. He's kind of they on played the radio great. on the radio yesterday. They were talking about I mean, two years from now. It's very possible you might see the same twelve people on the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the one person maybe that like right now if you had to say one person that might not be there, you would probably say Harris English, not because he wasn't one of the better players, just because he's kind of out of those 12 names. He's just kind of the one you don't think about. Well, he's not that young. I mean, he's young, but, you know, he's been on the PJ Tour almost 10 years. Right. And his career's kind of been up and down. But Yeah, but, but like, people – and no offense to these guys, but, like, Harris English and Daniel Berger, if they, like – wouldn't as won as many tournaments as they had this week. I mean, or the past year and a half or whatever. I mean, I don't think they would have been on the team. Like Max Homo is a name. I mean, another equivalent in my book that could have easily made it instead of one of those guys or, you know, had Matt Wolf been playing good, like somebody like him would have been on the team. But uh, so those guys are really, they could be on the team in two years or, well, three years or, or next two years or they won't be on the team. So those guys are questionable. I don't think, I don't think the rest of them have anything to worry about unless they really go downhill. But I mean, somebody could, Jordan Spieth played really bad for a few years. And if it, if it, if this tournament had happened last year and not right now, Jordan Spieth probably would not have been on the team. Right. So Jordan Spieth wasn't on the president's cup team in 2019. Yeah, that was right in the middle of him struggling. So you never know when stuff like that could happen. And like Patrick Reed was supposed to be on it, so it's like nobody's guaranteed, obviously. But I do think that there is a echelon of guys on that team that are really locked down, unless something injury-wise or something crazy were to happen. Yeah, the DJs, the Kepkas. I mean, TJ is going to be on the team until he's like 50, just like Phil was. Yeah. 
Well, if he plays I, until then, but. I wish the only thing that could have been done different about the tournament would be to be able to, like, pay for, like, an explicit pay-per-view where you just listen to what Phil said during the tournament. I would pay a lot of money to listen to his radio traffic on that mic he wears because, oh, my God, you'd still be laughing. Steve Stricker said that he literally – he literally cannot repeat anything Phil said the whole week. I'm sure it was. I wish they had, like, you could get the headphones like you get at a NASCAR race to wear and you can listen to all the radio traffic. Yeah, I would, I would, I would pay a lot for that just because of Phil. I mean, I think Phil's kind of a cheese ball, and like that's always who he's been. But like watching him at the PGA Championship, just interacting with the fans. I didn't watch him. I watched him all day Friday, a little bit on Saturday, and that's when Saturday just started to get way out of control. It's like I can't do this anymore. But just like him going back and forth with the fans was just great. Oh yeah, it's I, I would just love it. I don't have anything else for the Ryder Cup. The only thing I have is that it was a ten out of ten on my part. Loved it. I did too, and I can't wait for the next one in two more years. Yep. Um. No mystery golfer this week. No, uh, no Tiger Woods thing this week. This was all Ryder Cup. So that's all we're doing. I don't even. I don't even know what tournament's coming up. Sergio won it last year, I think. I think he's the only player from the Ryder Cup that's playing in it again this week because he's defending. I thought the uh, Sanderson Farm something. I it's thought in... the Rocket Rocket Mortgage is coming up soon too. It could be. I have to look at the schedule. I have no idea, but I know the one this week is Sanderson Farms. The only it's in Jackson, Mississippi. Yeah, there you go. Okay. The only thing I, the only reason I said that was because I watched an interview with Bryson the next morning. He was at the uh, Rocket Mortgage, um, I guess in Detroit. I don't remember what the course name is, but uh, he was talking about it. So that's, I could be wrong because I felt like that was later in the year, but I don't know. Uh, a lot of people picking Will Zalatoris maybe to get his first win this week. So we'll see. That's another guy that could be in for future Ryder Cup. So that's true. I mean, yeah, that's true. And, you know, we can't forget about, you know, the Gary Woodlands of the world. Some Anybody can get hot. Yeah. Yep. When you're hot, you're hot. When you're not, you're not. USA was hot this week, 19 to 9. Is that right? Nine? Yep. Yep. Pretty impressive. Hopefully they do it again in two years. Go back to – the Axis land and be the allies and take another victory from them. (laughs) Always tip your cart, girl.